We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Steven Adams is a monster, man. He's a, <laughs> he's a monster like somebody from Game of Thrones or something. Like, we call him uh, Gandalf because, like, he's never early or late. He's always <laughs> at the right time. Coming off the bench. And the second question is... For me? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my job is to never stop, regardless of percentages. I don't really give a damn about percentages, honestly. All I care about is wins. What's up, everybody, and welcome to The Uncontested, a podcast where we cover the NBA, Oklahoma City Thunder, and pop culture. You can find us on SoundCloud and on iTunes. All of our podcasts are also up on our website, along with articles and other cool stuff at www.theuncontestedsports.com. We have a very special round one Thunder playoff preview for you today. I am the Thunder Mob, Jacob Niffin, and today I'm joined by Kami Armoravian. That's nasty. I am joined by Taylor Peterson. How's it going? Nick Crane. Yo, yo. And a, our very special guest. His name is John English. He is from the Utah Jazz and Pop Culture podcast called Jedi and Germs. John, thank you so much for coming on with us today. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. You can find John's podcast uh, on Twitter at Jedi and Germs. That's J E R M S. And John personally is on Twitter at germsguy, J-E-R-M-S-G-U-Y. And their podcast is on iTunes. Make sure you guys give them a follow before this series starts for great Utah Jazz perspective. So today we're going to talk about this first round matchup with the Thunder versus Utah in the 4-5 matchup. We're going to talk a little bit of playoffs throughout the league. But first, in honor of having a special guest on the podcast and as a sign of sportsmanship, I want to start off this podcast with a special section called Gas Me Up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gassed up, I be so gassed up. Turned up, I 
got me so turned up right now. Each of us are going to name our favorite player from the other team and something we like about the opposing team, just in the sense of giving a, a sense of sportsmanship and camaraderie. But after this section, boys, the trash talk is on. All right? <laughs> Taylor, let's, let's start Taylor, let's start with you. What do you, what good do you have to say about Utah before we get started with all this? So this is actually pretty easy. Uh, if you I know a lot of our listeners probably listened to our previous podcast, and we have raved about this kid, Donovan Mitchell. He's my pick for Rookie of the Year. He's my favorite player on both the Jazz and one of my favorite players outside of the Thunder, just in the league in general right now. I think he's going to be really good. Uh, he's really surprised me coming in to oh, rumble. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Dog barking on me. But I, I'm really optimistic about Donovan Mitchell, and uh, I like him a lot. I also like the direction the franchise is headed right now with Quinn Snyder kind of leading the charge. I think he's a really good coach. Should be up there and considered for Coach of the Year this year. And then I also like uh, Rudy Gobert and, and how the Jazz are building with Rudy and uh, Donovan Mitchell. I think so your dog agrees. Yeah. Hey, Rumble's <laughs> all in. All right, Nick, what do you have good to say about Utah? I'm kind of in the same boat as Taylor. I don't have a whole lot of players I really cheer for outside the Thunder, outside of Porzingis, like we discussed in our very first pod. Porzingis is like that one guy that I, I cheer for outside the Thunder. Uh, Donovan Mitchell is kind of growing on me a little bit. He's kind of that second player I do like to watch outside the Thunder. He's got that, that D-Wade flash where he finishes the rim with all those crazy shots, but he also has a great three-point shot on him, so I think he could be one of the next you know, superstars in the league if, if he's not already one. And overall, just the fact that the defense or the, the, the Jazz play defense and team basketball, they don't, they don't play superhero ball. They kind of distribute the ball, pass it around, play team basketball. It's something you got to admire about them. For sure. Kalmyar, what do you got? All right, since you guys have gone the obvious route in Donovan Mitchell, and no doubt he, I mean, we discussed this in the last pod, he should be Rookie of the Year. I don't think there's any question. He is a rookie, and he's displayed that with multiple hoodies the past couple of games. <laughs> but, I mean, realistically, we're missing the point here. Rudy Gobert is, like, this catalyst to this team. I remember early in the season, people were saying, oh, man, it's a shame. Utah's actually playing really well. It's a shame they're going to miss the playoffs because at one point they were in a deep fucking hole. And then Rudy Gobert comes back, and they just reel off all these goddamn games straight. So you've got Rudy Gobert. You've got Joe Ingles, who has that classic dad game who somehow just makes it work. Quinn Snyder, like you guys said, really, really good coach. Is should be probably coach of the year, especially after losing Gordon Hayward. Uh, you know, I'm really, really hoping that, unlike Gordon Hayward, I'm really hoping that Donnie Mitchell stays in Utah. That would be really good for that franchise. But I think Gore, uh, I think Rudy Gobert is an X factor for that team, and that's what's going to make this series a lot more difficult and that's the reason why OKC was able to beat Utah earlier in this in the year because there is no Gobert he was out so that's my thing yep awesome I'll, I'll jump in real quick I love Donovan Mitchell I love Donovan Mitchell I think he's incredible he's one of my favorite rookies um, I also love Quinn Snyder John I gotta say I, I know losing Gordon Hayward last year probably felt like a blow to the city a blow to the franchise Trust me, as Oklahoma City Thunder fans, we we feel that, right? Yeah, we feel we that. Feel the pain. And uh, I think what you guys have uh, having that rookie uh, coming back and really that franchise rebounding from that 
that loss is something really admirable and something as Thunder fans that that we really understand and feel with you guys. So that that's kind of my my positive thing. John, you have anything positive you want to say about the Thunder? Yeah, I'll say that I lived in Seattle for a few years during the Gary Payton, Sean Kemp <laughs> days. And so Sonic I don't know if this is going positive or if it's about to go real south. I don't know. It's just fine. So, you know, I love Nick Collison because he's still he's still got some Sonic blood in him. But um, they I, I kept the Thunder as my second team. Nostalgic. I mean, if I was living in Seattle, I'd hate them. But they're always my second team to follow. And it's like anytime the Jazz would get eliminated, be like, well, let's root for the Thunder. <clears throat> awesome. Uh, awesome. Cool. Once Durant left... Yeah, all, all the sympathy in the world. Durant's probably my least favorite player. But um, I really like uh, Steven Adams. I think any fan of any team that has an Australian on your team kind of knows that vibe that they, they bring to the team. He's kind of got this Carl Drogo toughness to him. Um, I really like Paul George. I love two-way players, and I don't know why that seems to be a dying breed these days, but two-way players are really valuable. So I really enjoy him. I enjoy... Uh, Russ, just for his swag. I, I like I like some of the, your young guys. Jeremy Grant seems like he's found a home there. So there, there's a lot to like. Let's talk about the regular season breakdown between these two teams. Uh, a few things before we really get into discussion. The Thunder won the regular series, regular season series, 3-1 to one against the Jazz. All four of those games were played in 2018, or before 2019. They were all played in 2017 before the new year. Rudy Gobert missed two of those matchups. Uh, Dante Exa missed all four matchups. Utah now no longer has Rodney Hood or Joe Johnson. They do have Jay Crowder. And then the Thunder obviously no longer have Robertson, who played in both of those games. But they did add Corey Brewer. Uh, just a question to all of you guys. How much... Do you think we can read into the regular season matchup between these two teams going into this playoff series? I think you throw those two games with Gobert not playing out. You have to throw those two games out. It's pretty simple. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's absolutely fair. I mean, I, I honestly, I, I've seen a lot of analysts who are picking him for their defensive player of the year, even though he missed time. And I would have to agree. I think he's been incredible uh, on both ends, particularly the defensive end. That's really going to cause some trouble when it comes to not only Steven having that one-on-one matchup, which we'll get into here in a little bit, but also just with Russ, Corey, PG, even Melo, all driving to the to the lane, having him down there as a rim protector is huge for Utah. So I think that changes things. But, and I know we don't want to, we want to give our listeners unique content and don't want to always quote other podcasts, but I was listening to the OKC Dream Team here actually earlier today at work. And one thing Antonio Daniels mentioned, he was our guest on that podcast. And he brought up a really good point that just from a player's perspective, the playoffs are a completely different animal. And there's just a different air about it. And so I think because of that, that could also play into the Thunder's uh, favor, having that experience as well. So I, I, you can always use regular season as a decent indicator, but when it comes down to it, the playoffs are just a different animal. For sure. John, what are... What, what do you think you can read into, if anything, from that regular season matchup? Yeah, I'd, I'd say of all the teams four through eight that the Jazz were potentially facing, OKC made me the most nervous because we really have no idea how they would fare in this incarnation. All the other teams we had seen in the last couple months, and so you kind of had an idea. Um, I, I did see the very first game between these two, 
I was in attendance, but I think that's back when OKC was still trying to figure things out. And there was kind of a your turn, your turn, your turn between the big three on, on how they were going to score. And I think they had that all figured out by December. But, you know, I it's it's just a much different team. Um, when they when they did their trade, Rodney Hood was their worst defensive player. Joe Johnson was their worst offensive player. And so they were able to move on from those guys and just plug in Jay Crowder, who's just like yet another good defender. And so they've made defense their number one calling card. You know, that that's their specialty. So when I when I look at the matchup, I see the advantages of Oklahoma City's ability to score from multiple positions. But I see Utah's advantage of being able to shut down a lot of the favorite things they like to do. For sure. Um, I'm kind of with you guys. I don't think there's a lot you can read into that regular season. I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, John, but I feel like Donovan Mitchell is just a different animal now than he was back in December. I feel like point. I feel like he's grown so much since then uh, to really become, you know, that that lead scorer and kind of that lead player for Utah outside of Rudy Gobert. That he's he's coming in with a lot of confidence. You know, it's been over half an NBA season since these two teams have met. I don't I don't know if you can take much of anything from that series. Maybe a few things from individual matchups like Russ versus uh, Rubio or uh, some stuff from the bench. But the the roster change, the the change of play, all that kind of stuff. I think I think if these teams played in February, we could draw some conclusions. But since it's been all the way since December, it's really hard to be able to to use those matchups as an indicator on what will happen over the next two weeks. I think that's just kind of to add something to that and piggyback off that. I think that's a really good point. This is the four and the five seed, right? And both of these teams really kind of marry each other in the sense that they kind of had a new identity at the beginning of their respective seasons. And they really have developed and matured as the season's gone along. So they're kind of new teams compared to where they were when they both started. So it's going to be really fun to watch them at full strength play against each other. Well, let's move on to the strengths and the weaknesses of both teams. I figured what we could do is just kind of go back and forth where we'll give a perspective of a Thunder strength or weakness. And then, John, you can hop in and give us um, a strength or weakness of the Jazz. And we can kind of bounce back and forth from there. Uh, I'll get us kicked off. I think one of the big strengths for this Thunder team going into the playoffs is their ability to get to the free throw line. They are fourth all season long and third since the All-Star break in free throw attempts per game. So th- this team not only is attacking the basket, but they're getting fouled when they go to the basket and spending a lot of time at the free throw line. A huge chunk of their offense comes from shooting free throws. And also throw one of the weaknesses for this Thunder team is the reverse side of that. Even though they're getting to the line uh, virtually at will, they're 27th in the league since the All-Star break in free throw shooting, shooting only 73% from the line. We've talked about it time and time again. This Thunder team, if they shoot 80% from the line this year, they probably have six or seven more wins and are sitting comfortably at the three seed. Instead, they barely eked into the four because they just haven't made their damn free throws. So I think that's the first really strength and weakness of the Thunder. John, what's something for a strength or a weakness that you have for Utah? Uh, their strength, ever since the trade deadline, they've had a defensive rating of 96.3, which is a historically good defense. Uh, they are four points in front of the second-best defensive team in that time span, 
they've found their identity and really been married to it. And they have shown they can shut anybody down. They had a game against the Warriors a few weeks ago where the Warriors still had all of their players and they were still able to beat them by 30 where they're able to just confound what the offense wants to do. And then from that, they get transition scoring. So that, that I mean, it's the most obvious, but it, it is their calling card that they, they can defend anybody on any, any given night. For that sure. worries me a little bit for the Thunder because whenever a team comes out and punches them, they sometimes have a, a hard time coming back from that, recovering from that. So with a, a suffocating defense like the Jazz, I think that that will definitely present a challenge for OKC. And that's the thing is that offense, you don't always make your shots at home or away or whatever, but defense always travels. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, I, I think I think one of our biggest strengths is just who we have on, on the offensive end. Uh, we got four guys that at any given game can put up 20 points. Um, on the flip side of that, that also could be a weakness. I could see us coming out in the playoffs and not playing like we have been, and we and try playing a little more hero ball because it's the playoffs, or you know, one of the one of the big four trying to do something they haven't been doing all season because it's playoff time, and they, you know, want to be playoff mellow, and he tries a little too hard and shoots too many shots he shouldn't, or and and it almost could be like the beginning of the season where we're trying to find our quote unquote playoff identity. Yeah. I could definitely see that, yeah. So, John, as far as Utah's defense, what do you think is their best attribute? Is it their ability to switch, their rim protection, their ability to protect the paint, uh, close out on shooters? Like, what would you say is their... I, I know defense is their calling card, but on defense, what do you think is their their biggest strength? Well, their their biggest strength is the, the rim and then the three-point line. Uh, Rudy Rudy protects that rim like nobody else, and that gives the guards and wings a lot more confidence to be able to play tighter on three-point shooting. And that's been an emphasis of Quinn's defense is to try to do everything he can to force the offense into long teams. So that's their primary focus, and that's where they, they get a lot of their success. Well, I will tell you something. This Oklahoma City team has Russell Westbrook, Paul George, and Carmelo Anthony who will gladly take every long two that Utah gives them. So that makes me a little <laughs> bit worried. I hope I hope you enjoy Carmelo Anthony taking five jab steps before he pulls a jumper from 20 feet right inside the three-point line because I think we might see a lot of it. Yeah, I love those. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I think another strength of the Thunder uh, is just their experience. I have written down here, Russ, four Western Conference Finals appearances and one appearance to the Finals. Mello has one Western Conference final appearance. Paul George, two Eastern Conference finals appearances. Steven Adams, two Western Conference finals appearances. Brewer has an NBA title and two Western Conference finals appearances. Patterson has one Eastern Conference finals appearance of OKC's presumably nine-man rotation. Seven of those guys have played in more than one playoff series. And altogether, those nine have a total of 363 playoff games beneath their belts. Wow. So one wow. good thing about this Thunder team going into the playoffs is the playoffs are, is no stranger to these guys. They've all, they've all been battle-tested down in the, the grittiness of a playoff series. So I, I think that gives the Thunder maybe a little bit of an advantage because, like we've said, the playoffs is it's like a different season. It's, it's a different mentality. And these Thunder players, they they all are accustomed to that. Yeah, I mean, I think we've kind of been, we've been harping that as Thunder fans and the Thunder organization as a whole. 
the team, the coaches, they've been harping that as well, that when it, this team's a playoff team, they're, they're going to be ready come playoff time. And I think not only because of the way that they're built, but also that experience that you just mentioned. That's a good point. I'd, I'd say one of the weaknesses the Jazz have is the lack of a playoff experience. Everyone that was on the team last year got the experience of winning a series, but three of their five starters are no longer on the team. So, John, how, how confident are you and Jazz fans in general with Donovan Mitchell coming into the playoffs? Are, do they feel comfortable that he can continue this level of play in a playoff series where a team really gets to get down and study a team and really gear up uh, and form defensive principles against a certain team and really scout them out? Um, is there any worry that 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 rookie wall or maybe not a rookie wall per se, but just th- that lack of experience uh, will catch up to him? Or is there high hopes that that he will continue to do what he's been doing? There's high hopes he'll continue to do what he's doing. But there's also the expectation that every once in a while he'll just have a really bad shooting night. Um, if he caught any of the Portland game last night, that was just one of his nights. Where sometimes he just goes for, for sure. Yeah, I that that was one of the biggest questions for me is when push comes to shove in the playoffs, how how will he respond? And you know, I know Russell Westbrook and Paul George and Carmelo Anthony really respect that kid. I mean, Russell Westbrook daps up no opponents after games and the yeah. last the last utah game that we played russ went out to midcourt and met up with donovan and got in his ear and gave him a hug and yeah as a, thunder, say, as a thunder even, fan who follows the team i don't know if i've ever seen russ do that to anybody like somebody like not harden who he's got like a, a long-standing relationship with you know i don't know if i've ever seen russ do that to anybody so i think it's it, it's a really good sign that that kid as a rookie already has Westbrook's respect. Yeah. I was going to say, like every once in a while with some of the guys Russ is closest to, you'll see in in the league, you'll see him go up to them and maybe dap them up and pat them on the back. But he had like a full on conversation with Donovan at like mid court or the sideline. And that just, that shows how much they respect the kid. I agree. Yeah. It's both him and PG. Yeah. Yeah. That was nice when that happened too. They made a big deal about that on the post game. Oh, really? That's awesome. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of the the respect between those two guys, let's jump into the starting lineup matchups between these two teams and discuss kind of who we think has the advantage at each position. Uh, we'll just go down the line here. Starting off, point guards, we'll have Russell Westbrook versus Ricky Rubio. How do you guys feel about that matchup? I feel like Rubio he- really frustrates Russ a lot. I, and not because Rubio's immensely more talented. I think it's because Rubio just gets under Russ's skin. He's done it plenty of times. Uh, but also, I don't know if Russ respects Rubio that much because often you see Rubio just wide open. It's because Russ is waiting to get a rebound or he's, he's somewhere else in the paint because he doesn't like respect him enough to D up on him, which is really frustrating. So, I mean, of course, like athletically, you give the advantage to Russ, but pure point guard-wise, I guess you could say, or passing, you might would give that advantage to Rubio. For I, sure. dis- I disagree. Oh. On, I disagree on the passing part. Russ just broke the record or was the assist leader this year. Pure point guard, passing point guard. I don't care what kind of point guard you're talking. Russ blows that one out of the water. Ricky Rubio didn't even compare. <laughs> I mean, Rubio's passing in general is better. Like you, you wouldn't say that. 
Russ is a better passer than Rondo just because Russ has more assists. Rondo's passing is off the charts, just like Rubio's is. Well, I think it's his court vision, right? I think Rubio has incredible court vision, where Russ may have the skill, even in that area, specifically passing. But I think uh, Rondo, Rubio, I mean, point guards like that, their court vision is pretty unreal. Yeah. Although, I will say, it's been really fun, even more so this year than maybe any season I can really remember outside his first couple years of development this has been a really fun year to watch russ's passing game develop a little more um some of these dimes he's been dropping recently have just been absurd last night he was throwing some crazy ones against i mean and i know it was memphis and i know he was chasing the triple double but there were some passes last night that just blew my mind and think about his connection with steven adams like like he he's he's a good he's a good passer when he wants to be did it yeah did it blow you out of your cotton picking mind Shut oh, up. Yeah, that God. was so bad. Yeah. That was so bad. <laughs> and he, sorry, we're, we're tangent here real quick. Yeah. People are really blowing that up, and rightfully so. You can't say something like that on a national broadcast that's, you know, embedded in, in racist terms and get away with it. But if we're keeping track of the bad things Brian Davis has said, that one maybe cracks the top five. I mean, last season he was talking about giving guys rim jobs, so I don't know (laughs) how much farther we can go with that, you know? (laughs) At one point, Brian Davis said, it was, this is my favorite one, Kalmyar and I talked about this earlier today, it was like five or six years ago, and the Thunder were playing the Houston Rockets in a regular season game, and the Thunder was up like 25 in the first half. It was was just an ass-kicking. And Brian Davis was getting all hyped up like he does and hollering, and said, and I'm not making this up. You can pr- probably find the video. I'm not going to take the time to find the video. But Brian Davis said, quote, it looks like someone cut Houston's wrists and put them in a bathtub of hot water. I remember and I was that. like, holy shit, dude. You can't say like, <laughs> like that. How that's oddly that? descriptive. Yeah. For, like, how do you come up with that? Somebody. That's what I was about to say. Man. If, you, if like, you can find that clip, please put it in this pod. Yes. <laughs> if I find it, I'll rip the audio. Dude, I was like, that is, oh, that's that's kind of some sadistic shit right there, man. You can't say that. That's kind of... Yeah. Yeah. Right, sorry, Tan- tangent over. John, how do you feel about the Russ versus Rubio matchup at that point guard position? Russ is the MVP last year. I mean, he's clearly better. Uh, Rubio has a way of just getting under the skin of other point guards, but I'm not going to say, you know, advantage Rubio. I mean, Russ, Russ is obvious winner here. I will say that if Russ wants to black off of Rubio and Rubio's for sure. Awesome. Well, let's move on to the shooting guard position where we have Corey Brewer, who as of today, a report from Shams from Yahoo says that Brewer's going to get some treatment on that right knee where they, they classified as a sprain, I guess, a right his right knee sprain and should be good to go for Sunday. We have Brewer versus Donovan Mitchell. Will this be the matchup on both ends where Brewer guards Mitchell and Mitchell guards Brewer? I'm not sure. But how do you guys feel about uh, the shooting guard matchup? I think it's going to be really interesting. I could see, I think, like you said, they're going to match up probably across the board to start the game. And then if Mitchell starts torching us, which he's bound to do at least one or two or three of those games, I think I could see where they put a PG or maybe even Russ or somebody on him. But I, I'm really excited to see how Corey responds to an offensive threat like Mitchell. Um, and I think it'll be it'll be fun to watch from that perspective. From the other side, Mitchell playing defense on Corey. I mean, 
Corey can drive to the hole. He can cut. But if he's dribbling the ball, I could see Mitchell getting <laughs> the drunken dribbler. I could see the drunken dribbler some, some steals. So have you, have you guys noticed that Thunder Twitter has now started a uh, a Corey Brewer sobriety index chart for yes, each game yeah. where they see how drunk Corey Brewer is while dribbling the basketball? The Thunder reporters and beat writers, yeah, they started yeah, up it's a sobriety index for each game. The other day, John Ham's uh, J- Corey Brewer sobriety index I was, was going to mention this. Just so threw up in the back of an Uber. It's <laughs> 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 a pretty good one. And like um, two weeks ago, somebody had like, uh, I think it might have been Fred Katz, had passed out next to the bathtub on like a late Saturday <laughs> night or something like that. Yep. It was really funny. Yep. Nick, how do you feel about the Brewer-Mitchell matchup? Um, if we're talking, who would you rather have? I'd obviously rather have Donovan Mitchell. This is Corey's chance to show the world why we went out and got him. As far as his defensive ability goes, if he can use his length, and I don't think he can stop Donovan, but if he can slow him down a little bit, then I think it's going to go prove that we made the right choice by going out and getting Corey Brewer and the bio market. I think this is his chance to prove it. Nice. Come here. I think this is a pretty clear win for Utah. Uh, Corey Brewer, he defends off the off of his heels, and this is where you're really, really gonna miss Andre Robertson. This series, I mean, any any series really, but this is where you're really gonna miss Andre Robertson, and this is exactly why I think that it's gonna be PG on Mitchell, and they're gonna put Brewer on Ingles. I mean, of course, I agree. Gonna, of course, they're gonna switch via screens. But this is where you're going to miss Andre Robertson a lot because Mitchell is going to torch the hell out of Corey Brewer if they line up across the board. It's no contest. Uh, it's Mitchell all the way. Interesting. John, what's your perspective on this? Uh, the the real match is Mitchell's offense versus Brewer's defense. Uh, I am glad it's Brewer, not Roberson. I'm sorry for you guys. Uh, but, you know, when it, when it comes to Brewer offense, Mitchell defense, Mitchell's as good a stealer as Rubio. And so if he, if he gets any drunken dibbles, I can see, you know, that's going on. Right now. Obviously I take Mitchell in this matchup. I like Mitchell, uh, obviously a lot. Brewer. We'll see. Um, as we get into this small forward position, I'm going to have uh, a little more to say about the shooting guard matchup, but let's move on to the small forwards, which will be Paul George versus, um, who I think is maybe the most dad player in the league, Joe Ingles. How are we feeling about this one? Let's start with Nick this time. Joe Ingles is a guy, if you leave him open, he's going to torch you. But if PG really puts, puts forth any effort or Brewer, whoever's on him, puts any effort at all, he doesn't scare me a whole lot. I think he only averages 11 or 12 points a game. He's just one of those guys, put, at, put forth effort. I know there's a bunch of stats out there when Joe Ingles – you know, scores X amount of points. They're 30 and three or something crazy. So, I mean, obviously you can't leave him open. So I think that he could be an X factor, but he's also someone that's not that hard to shut down. I don't think for sure. So this might be, I don't know. I don't think it's a hot take, but obviously Paul George wins this matchup hands down. I disagree with what some of you guys have said. I think they're going to line up across the board. Because I think they're going to live with Brewer on Mitchell and let Paul George play Ingles, who's not a primary ball handler, and play those passing lanes. Because I know that Utah does like to search for the best shot on the court. They like to use up some of that shot clock. They like to move the ball in their half-court sets and try to find the best shot on the floor. 
And I think by having Paul George on Joe Ingles, you can take away that three-point threat a little bit, and it allows Paul George to really play those passing lanes, which is where we saw him excel whenever Robertson was still healthy. They throw Robertson on the best offensive player, Paul George on the second best offensive player, and Paul George was able to really be aggressive off the ball. I would assume that that's how the Thunder is going to start this series off. Um, Obviously, adjustments can be made. Like Kalmier said, there's going to be a lot of switching, I would assume. But I think they're going to let Paul George match up on Joe Ingles, and I think that is very clearly a win for the Thunder. Uh, Kalmier, what do you think? I mean, I think it's pretty simple, just like Mitchell and Brewer, just like Russ and and Rubio. I think PG's of clearly the better caliber player. I mean, he's an all-star, and then you got Dad Ingles over there. So it's pretty obvious what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen across the board, like you said, like if they're going to line up across the board, if they're going to switch a lot, if they're going to be switching the two and three. But, of course, PG is a superior talent to Joe Ingles. Yep. Taylor, anything to add there? Yeah, just to kind of piggyback of what, what you said, I think that's a good point because Paul George is leading the league in deflections right now. And so getting in those passing lanes, particularly with a guy like Joe, who's almost completely isolated to the three-point line on offense, I think that's going to be really big for them. Also, you mentioned Corey on Donovan, and I agree. Donovan is going to torch him driving to the basket, but we still have Steven Adams down there. We talked about Rudy Gobert down low for the Jazz. We got Steven Adams. Um, so I, I like that as well, although – I mean, Mitchell has a pretty nice pull-up. So, yep. but yeah, I, I don't know if there's a lot more to add to that. I think you guys are exactly right. For sure. John, what do you think on this one? I was listening to one of the national podcasts a couple weeks ago, and they wanted to cast who from the NBA would you cast in a remake of White Men Can't Jump. And I cannot <laughs> believe that the first answer for Woody Harrelson from everyone wasn't Joe Ingles. That is, that is who Joe Ingles is. He does yes, not that's a great point. He should be as good as he is. Uh, he he is the glue guy for this team. He's basically what Iguodala does for the Warriors. His stats may not look that great, but he is he is crucial to their success. Uh, when when the Jazz were losing and management made it known that a lot of the players were on the trade trading block, the three that the owner specified would not be traded was Mitchell Gobert, because that's how much. He was. Now Paul George is obviously a better player. Um, Ingles' strength is is his court vision. He, Ingles is a really good passer, and if PG focuses on those passing lanes, he will do as much damage as he could focusing on Joe's shooting. Joe, Joe's a 43% three-type shooter, and part of that is because he's not looking to shoot first. For sure, yeah. I've kind of noticed that that um, he he's always involved in a little bit of chippiness. There's always a little bit of chippiness going on with Ingles, which I've always found funny. I, I can't remember, but he yelled in some Thunder player's face. I think it was Abrinas. Was it Abrinas? Do you guys remember? I think he yelled in Abrinas' face after he hit a three in one game uh, this season. And uh, that, that kind of upset me because Abrinas is like my son. So um, <laughs> let's cool. move on to what I think is the most pivotal matchup in this series the starting power forwards, Carmelo Anthony versus Derek Favors. I find this one incredibly intriguing. Taylor, what are your thoughts on this matchup? Yeah, I agree completely. I think this is the most interesting for sure. And I think we are going to see something similar on both ends where the Jazz are going to be attacking Melo uh, down low. 
and the Thunder are going to be attacking that matchup as well because of Melo's ISO ability. It's really going to be kind of, I think it's going to come down to whoever can play the best defense on the other one. Um, that is, it's going to be a really interesting matchup. I'm really not sure. I'm excited to see it, though. I know Melo's going to have to play aggressive. He's going to have to play some good defense and that we know he's capable of if he locks in. But that worries me a little bit. Yep. I, I'm going to jump in on this one before anyone else goes. I find this one fascinating. I think on one end, the Thunder are going to try to pull favors out and make him defend the perimeter where Melo is going to try to get those catch-and-shoot threes. On the other end, I think Utah is going to try to use favors' size to his advantage and post Mello up and try to push him down and force a, a double either coming down from the wing or Adams coming over. And I think this is a matchup where whichever one can play the other guy off the court is going to be pivotal, right? Can Mello space favors out and make him uh, ineffective enough to where Utah has to go to their bench and pull out a, a Jay Crowder or something? Or will favors overpower mellow to the point where the thunder are going to have to be the ones to adjust and match up and pull in Jeremy Grant or Patrick Patterson. And so I think this matchup is kind of idealistically and by style, it's a very fascinating matchup that I think could end up deciding the series. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I'm with you guys. I don't think either of them can guard each other. Uh, Favors is kind of that old school bruiser power forward where Melo is more that new age stretch four. Uh, I, I, I know we have the players off the bench to guard Favors with Grant and Patterson, so I'm not too concerned about it. We'll find a matchup that works as we go along. But I, I just think it's going to be ugly on both ends for those two guys because neither of them, their skill sets are so different, neither is going to be able to guard each other. For sure, for sure. Yeah, from what I was reading and from what I was seeing the other day, it's it's pretty clear that OKC, they're going to use Melo and try to shoot favors off the floor. And the Jazz would obviously counter that with putting Jay Crowder at the stretch four, and that would cause problems for Melo, I think, because Jay Crowder, I, I believe, is a pretty decent spot-up three-point shooter, and he's a really, really good defender. And they could use and they could use him as a stretch four and play Ingles, Mitchell, and and uh, Jay Crowder on the floor at the same time, and they could switch really one through four in that entire lineup. So of course the styles vary, but I think what's going to end up happening ultimately, like you guys said, it's the it's one of the biggest matchups. I don't think it's the biggest matchup on the floor. I think Adams and Gobert is the biggest matchup on the floor that decides the series. But I do believe that it's going to be a pretty big matchup, and I think what Utah will end up doing ultimately is putting Jay Crowder on Melo. John, That's what do you got? That's another on this fun one? matchup. I hadn't thought of that. Let me put it to you this way: If Favors and Melo switched teams, would you be more or less confident about the Thunder winning the series? It's a good question. Uh, that is a really good question, um, God, and it's hard to answer because I've kind of held my, I've had my reservations about Melo, and I've had my arguments about Melo and my dissatisfaction about Melo, but I've said since the beginning of the year I'm going to wait on making a final judgment on Carmelo until we see what he does in the playoffs. So honestly, for me at this point, if you flip them, uh, I almost feel the same. I think, I think I'm, I I'm the same either way. So I personal opinion, but that that's kind of where I'm at. 
I, th- I think Favors' strength is on defense, and Favors uh, specializes specializes in mid-range defense. His offense isn't that great, but he he's mainly used for lobs and and for block scoring. He's been developing a corner three. He hasn't used it much this year, but it's been getting better as it's been going through the season. Uh, they they want Melo to dominate the ball. They're they're perfectly comfortable with that. His, his efficient field goal percentage isn't very good. No, not so, at all. Trust me, we know. Trust me, we know. <laughs> I'm sure you do. Yeah, they, they they want Paul George and Steven Adams to touch the ball as little as possible. I think that's what their game plan will be. So between the two of them, Melo might get uh, his scoring, but it's just a matter of, of how hollow is the scoring he's getting it. I, personally, I think if you guys, if Melo and Faber switched, the Thunder would be that much better team. For sure. Yeah, I get that. That that's a that's a good perspective and an interesting perspective, you know. Um, and, and I agree with what you said there. On it's not about the points Mello scores; it's about the efficiency, right? Uh, Twenty points by Mello in a playoff game, awesome. How many shots did it take him to get there? Did he shoot nineteen times to get those twenty points, or does he have twenty points on twelve shots? You know, I think that will um, his efficiency will be will be very very important. Um, we'll move on to this last starting lineup matchup which i'm incredibly excited to talk about i think we all know this is a a huge one steven adams versus rudy gobert i'm gonna kick us off with this one this is a matchup of what i think is elite rim protection versus bully ball and elite strength and screening right i think that steven adams i i I don't know, and John's going to have probably a way different perspective on this, and that's why we have you on the podcast. I don't think Rudy Gobert, I think out of all the starting centers he could have matched up with in the first round of the playoffs, I think Adams may be his his last pick of who he wanted to play just because of Adams' strength and physicality. And I think that's uh, that's an advantage that the Thunder have, that Adams is so selfless. He's a great defender, albeit not a great shot blocker. But just his level of physicality and his strength to really bully people and push them around, I think will be a, a strong strength for the Thunder. Um, Kalmir, what do you think about that? So to me, this is the biggest matchup of the entire series. You've got Call Drogo versus the Stifle Tra- the Stifle Tower, okay? And this is Rudy Gobert is the reason why Utah really came back with a vengeance and started ripping off that many games. Like that team gelled and started winning games real quick. Because that defense was back on point, and they didn't have to outscore teams or anything anymore. And then so you've got immovable object here, you got immovable object there, and you're going to see really how it works out. I mean, this is, a lot of people would suggest that Rudy Gobert is a better center, and I'm not going to disagree with that. I mean, there's there's a lot of national pundits that would say Rudy Gobert is top center, top two center. Steven Adams is probably top ten center. I don't know. But this is, to me, the key matchup, one of the, top key matchups in this game is Rudy Gobert versus Steven Adams offensive rebounds, defensive rebounds, controlling the paint, yada yada. It's a push. Interesting. Taylor? Yeah, so I said that Melo versus Favors was going to be the most interesting. I think that Adams versus Gobert is going to be the most fun and entertaining. I mean, there's, it's, really gonna, it's really hard to predict this one because like you guys said, they almost mirror each other in a lot of ways. I think one thing that you guys haven't mentioned yet that I will I will drop in is that I think Gobert has a little more length, and so that's going to be interesting 
when he's defending Adams and could give him a little more. However, Adams has a bigger base. You know, he's a, he he's a little stronger. A lot of people say Adams is the strongest player in the league, so that could play to his to Adams' advantage as well. So uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a fun one. I'm excited for sure. Nick, what's your take on this? I think this is the X factor matchup. I don't know if you guys agree, but I think Steven Adams is kind of our glue for our team. Even on nights where he's not putting up a lot of points, just his second chance boards and all the other things that he does for us are huge. I think if Gobert with his defensive ability takes him out of the game, that's huge. But I also think you're right in the fact that out of all the centers Gobert could have seen in the first round, Steve is not who he wanted to see because he is extremely strong. I think one really interesting like subpoint of this matchup is Adams' ability to offensive rebound versus Rudy's length and ability to control the defensive paint. That's going to be fascinating because the Thunder are an elite offensive rebounding team. Steven Adams, leading offensive rebounder in the league. You know, he he just eats on those on the offensive glass. And I think that's one of the Thunder's biggest advantages. And if Rudy Gobert can neutralize Steven Adams on the offensive glass, that is going to be a very, very important statistic and aspect to watch uh, for the Jazz to, to take this series, I think, is, is Adams' ability on the offensive glass and Rudy's ability to try to control that. John, I'm sure you got quite a few opinions on this matchup. What do you got? Yeah, th- th- this is the big one because Thunder are the best offensive rebounding team and Jazz are the best defensive rebounding team. This is the matchup that will decide the series. I think both of them are going to try to get the other one in foul trouble early so they don't have to play against the other one too much. Mm-hmm. I think Rudy Rudy's the better defender. He has a 7-9 wingspan. That's insane, All, all that's dude. true. Yeah. That, that's, like, that's like a damn airplane, man. That's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. that's incredible. Yeah, it, it's almost minute bowl. It's ridiculous. But, yeah, I, I agree about Adam's strength. And so I could see... I could see both teams trying to go to those guys early in offense, trying to get the other one into foul trouble. And it's just a matter of how are they going to handle it. That, that, that is one of the most fascinating uh, one-on-one showdowns in like any series, I think, is Adams yeah. versus Gobert. It's going to be awesome. Um, let's touch on the bench real quick before we move on. Both benches, and I'm, I'm not going, I'm going to let, John really talk about the jazz bench because I don't know if we have a great enough uh, understanding of the jazz bench for the thunder bench. Kamiar, what are you looking for out of the thunder bench going into the playoffs? And do you think it will be a strength of theirs? So when you talk about the strength of the thunder bench, you basically just want to mention Jeremy Grant, right? Because you got Jeremy yeah. Grant, You've and then Raymond Felton. He's sometimes he's terrible. Sometimes and sometimes he's terrible and has the highest plus minus, which is amazing to me. And the the thing that helps about the OKC's bench is that they don't really play. They they have this odd thing with Billy Donovan where it's an all bench lineup and sometimes it's an all bench lineup with PG. I don't know, but what you're looking for is Patterson and Jeremy Grant and their switchability on threes, fours, and fives. And that's really what what the X factor for the bench is. And can Raymond Felton take smart shots? And can Jeremy Grant keep on doing what he's been doing this entire year? That's all. That's all I got. Okay, Taylor. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with the switchability. I think that's going to be really big. And Kamiar mentioned this earlier. 
uh, if Melo's getting cooked by favors, then we can bring Jeremy Grant in or even Patterson in to hopefully play some good defense on that. But this Thunder bench plays their best when they're moving the ball. And they also play their worst or don't play well at all when they don't move the ball. And it sticks with Felton or it sticks with even PG sometimes if he's in there. So I think that's going to be key in this series and even move, moving forward in the playoffs if we're fortunate enough to do so. I think they're going to have to keep moving that ball around because when they do that, great things happen and it opens it up for everybody. Definitely. A few things I'm interested in with the Thunder bench, uh, like you guys touched on, can Grant keep up his play? You know, he's he's too fast for most centers. He's too strong for most fours. And his ability to get to the free throw line and attack the hoop is incredible this year. I also, I, I the Thunder having Raymond Felton instead of Samash Christian this year is, in the playoffs, I think is where we're going to see the biggest impact. Um, yeah. Do you guys even know where Samaj is now? Is he even playing basketball China. anymore? He, he, I think he just finished up the season in China, if I remember correctly. Interesting. So, yeah. Okay. And he also, um, remember, he got on that uh, that USA squad. Oh, God. It's going to let yeah, the whole country down. <laughs> hey, never Samaj forget. putting the country on his back. Never forget, he's the one that canned that last assist for Russ in Denver to average the tri- that triple-double to break the Ro- Oscar Robertson's record. Yep. Cementing his uh, name in Thunder history. I wonder if coming down the stretch in games, if the Thunder will do some sort of lineup where they let Abrinas close and guard Joe Ingles and slide Paul George over to guard Donovan Mitchell and get Alex Abrinas out there for his shooting and his spacing. Uh, we've seen as pushes come to shove down the end of the season that Billy Donovan trusts Abrinas over all of his other bench wings, over Josh Hustis, over Terrence Ferguson. And I'm interested to see if he will use his advantage with Abrinas's shooting, even though... Corey Brewer's a better defender if he'll let Abrinas close games uh, for that offensive spacing. So, uh, John, tell us a little bit about the Utah bench and how you feel about them matching up against the Thunder. Uh, You're going to see a lot of Jay Crowder. He gets the most minutes off the bench. And the five-man lineup of Rubio, Mitchell, Ingles, Crowder, and Gobert, it's got a defensive rating of something like 95. They're ridiculously good together. That's insane. So you, will, you will see a lot of that. He's he's uh, he's he's like a little smaller, but a lot faster than Favors, and so they love they love how he fits in that lineup. I really wish we had Cephalosha for this playoff series, but alas, he's out for the year. Yep. Um, Exum uh, just came back 14 games ago. He's still trying to get used to it. He's had a lot of injuries in his career, so he's really a question mark on what he's going to be able to actually bring. And then. Jerebko can come in and he can knock down threes, but he's been inconsistent on defense. So if he comes in and Thunder suddenly score seven, then he'll get a quick hook. There are, there are some nights where he only gets like five minutes because he goes in, screws up an assignment, he immediately goes back to the bench. So as long as he comes in and gets the first couple possessions right, then they really benefit from his offense. Um, you may or may not see Epe Udo Everyone remembers him as the sixth pick that was a big bust who wound up playing overseas. Ekpe Udo is actually from a high school about 20 minutes north of where I live. Yeah, it was it Santa Fe? From, yeah, uh, oh, go. Ed, Ed, Edmund Santa Fe. Yep, Edmund okay. Santa Fe product. 
I actually watched him play in high school. So yeah, we're very familiar with FK Udo down here. Yeah, he's he's still he's terrible on offense, but he is super good on defense. He's he's got a really good knack for shot blocking. So if they ever need to use him, that's not a problem for them. And then Alec Burks is really good at slashing, but he's he's probably the least consistent defender on the team now, and so he goes a lot of nights with the Eagles. So he'll be okay. And Neto, Hal Neto, he's a, he's a smaller guard, so he doesn't get many minutes, but he's he's really good at decision-making, and he can also shoot 40% from three. So he'll probably get a few minutes here and there, too. Interesting, yeah. I, I was definitely interested about Exum. Um, I loved Exum coming out of the draft. I love his length. I love his size. Uh, I love his defense, his ability to get to the hoop. But like you said, just injuries have kind of riddled his career so far, and... I'm excited. Did remind me? Did Exum Exum played in the playoffs last year? Is that correct? Yes, he did. Okay, yeah. So he he's got a little bit of experience, and just for that kid's career and for Utah, I hope that that the injury bug leaves him alone now, and he's able to really find his footing and really you know solidify his his spot in the league. So yeah, he mentioned I, Alec Burks, which is really interesting because I I haven't heard that name since tr- trade deadline. Um, pre yep. Corey Brewer buyout, that was one name that was getting brought up a lot around OKC was Alec Burks. You know, some potential trade talks there, so that that'll yep. be kind of fun to see when he's out there. And, and it's kind of funny. I had completely forgot for some reason that Cephalosha was out there until you just Tabo. mentioned him. You know, yeah. we 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 love Tabo here in Oklahoma City. Uh, we he, you know, he got traded here from Chicago and was really one of those integral pieces, him, and then whenever Kendrick Perkins came in, that really pushed this franchise over the top and pushed them into contention. So we have uh, we have a lot of love for Tabo out here. He's, uh, he was the he's original Dre, the original yep. Andre you remember, Robertson. You guys remember Tabo with the cornrows? Yes. <laughs> Man. I forgot about that. That was, that was pretty sweet. That was awesome. Throwback Tabo. Uh, all right. Hey, real quick. I want us to touch league-wide on playoffs and predictions. Which Western Conference playoff matchup are you most excited to watch, uh, not including Thunder Jazz? We know we all, we're all going to be glued to Thunder Jazz. Which of the other three matchups are you guys really looking forward to? I mean, the 6-3 is really intriguing because those teams are literally separated by one game. Yep. The, the Pelicans and the Trailblazers. And they, they have two yep. totally conflicting ideologies of basketball of how they play, and they're separated by one game. And that's, that's, that's it's insane. So, of course, I mean, nobody's really going to be interested in watching. I mean, you might be interested in watching Minnie in Houston, but you know how that series is going to end. It's going to be D'Antoni just completely ripping off uh, the, his, the bench and – Tibbs is going to be playing the starters 50, 48 minutes, whatever, how many minutes there are eligible in a freaking basketball game. He's going to run those guys into the dirt. And Houston, with Houston's style of play, it's just not going to go very well. Golden State in San Antonio, that's going to be boring to me. That San Antonio just doesn't have it, and they're getting older. And then so it's that 6-3 matchup. I think I'm with you, and... Um... Talking about that that Houston Minnesota matchup, I saw a stat that when Chris Paul or James Harden uh, are ball handlers in the pick and roll against Minnesota this year, their offensive rating is 130 points per 100 possessions. 
because wow. Carl Anthony Towns is awful at defense, but nobody wants to recognize it. Yep, yep. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if that, that series is a sweep. I'm with you. I think a playoff series where I get to watch Dame, CJ, and Anthony Davis, sign me up. I'm tuning into those games. That's going to be fun. Taylor? Yeah, I'm really excited to see how Anthony plays. I think we're going to see just peak Anthony Davis come out, kind of like we did when he went on that stretch post-All-Star break. He called it his, his Russell Westbrook mentality i think we're gonna see that come out again i'm really excited for that also don't sleep on drew hall drew holiday in that matchup i mean he's Dude, had an drew, incredible drew's season. been playing great yeah him, so him guarding dame is gonna be a that's blast, be a blast. To watch. absolutely that's gonna be a ton of fun cj i think could really be an x factor there but because dame's obviously gonna do dame things i'm really excited for that one but don't don't sleep on that golden state Warriors san antonio matchup guys i think first of all it's pop He's going to have his guys ready to come out and play, as he always does. He's going to have some great schemes. Two, Warriors don't have Curry, and they're struggling a little bit trying to find an identity without him. And then three, there's still a small chance. I'm clinging on to a little bit of hope that Kawhi Leonard will come back. Nah. <laughs> I don't think Kawhi Leonard's coming back, and that I means... I don't that- either, but... It'd be fun. <laughs> Kyle, that means Kyle Anderson is going to guard Kevin Durant. Oh and boy. Durant might average 45 for the series. Well, hell, he's been averaging, he, he's been averaging 30, 40 anyways without Steph, and they've been losing. Yeah, yeah. that's true. That's they, true. I mean, they got um, their asses whipped by the Jazz like literally two games ago. Did that, you watch that? Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just want, even though yeah. that San Antonio might get swept, I want Aldridge to give Draymond Green fucking buckets. I want him to beat that dude like a drum. I hate Draymond Green. <laughs> oh, people, yeah. people that listen to this podcast not, not already know that I do not like Draymond Green. Um, John, which Western Seri- Western Conference series are you looking forward to? Uh, easily Blazers-Pelicans. I mean, Houston's going to sweep Minnesota, and I don't think Warriors will sweep the Spurs, but it'd still be ugly, and I just don't really want to watch it. Whereas Portland and New Orleans has all kinds of interesting matchups. For sure, for sure. So, just just to throw this in real quick. No, sorry. Just to throw this in real quick, I saw a couple tweets today, two separate sports analysts. I'm forgetting who, but they both picked this series, Thunder Jazz, as their favorite in all the first rounds. Yep, I've seen that as well. I've seen that. Uh, Zach Lowe was one of them. Zach, that's right. Zach was one of them. I saw one other. So, yeah, yeah, I thought I had that in there. Uh, Eastern Conference, we have Toronto versus Washington, Boston versus Milwaukee, Philly, Miami, and Cleveland, Indiana. What are you guys looking forward to there? Oh, this, this is a little more fun because I feel like these teams are a little more similar talent-wise compared to some of these matchups in the West. I think that Cleveland-Indiana one is going to be a lot of fun. You have Aladipo, who's been playing incredible. Vic, I'm really excited to see how, how he plays and performs in the playoffs this season after more than likely being the locker most improved player. You got LeBron versus Lance rivalry. That'll be a lot of fun. So I'm really looking forward to see how Cleveland shows up for the first round of the playoffs and also how Indiana, if they can continue their their great play from the regular season. And I'm also kind of interested in the Philadelphia versus Miami series, mainly because I'm, I'm really curious how Ben Simmons, Markel Fultz, and Embiid are all going to play in their, their first playoff appearances. So that's another one to keep an eye on that I'm excited about. Definitely. Call me our which, uh, real quick, which of these Eastern Conference series are you most excited for? Well, Boston versus Milwaukee, nobody's going to watch because that series is going to suck. Uh, Philly, yeah. <laughs> Philly is probably going to sweep Miami or beat them in five games, so that series is going to suck. 
Uh, Cleveland versus Indiana is really intriguing. I'm really curious to see Depot and Lance Stevenson get into Braun's head once again. That'll be fun to watch. Uh, but I think a lot of people are really intrigued by the Toronto-Washington series because is Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan going to do their yearly thing where they go ham in the regular season and then are no-shows in the playoffs while John Wall just showed back up with the new haircut to D.C. and Bradley Beals playing out of his mind as, along with Otto Porter and Kelly Oubre. So I'm really looking forward to that Toronto-Washington series. I'm with you on one. that. I, I'm excited for that guard matchup. DeRozan and Lowry versus Beal and Wall. That's going to be so much fun to watch. Uh, John, you got an opinion on the, the East? What are you going to be looking for over there? Uh most mostly Cleveland versus Indiana because I'm excited to see a well-oiled machine like Indiana go against playoff LeBron versus all these other guys that just haven't been living up to their potential. Yeah, I yep. I actually think the Philadelphia Miami game is going to be intriguing because Miami's roster doesn't make sense to me and yet they've won all these games mm-hmm. and I, and I can't remember isn't Embiid going to miss most of the first round anyway? Ooh, that's a good point. There, there, they I think won- there, there's word that there, he could, yeah. His yeah, mask his mask looks freaky, too, man. Yeah, he was on was the like bench with that man. mask last night. He was creeping me out. Bruce Wayne, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and even though Philly won their last 16 games, I think 11 of them have losing records or something silly like that. So yep. Yep. they have confidence, but then when they go into the playoffs and you're going to go against a very experienced coach like Spolstra and what they're going to do, it would not surprise me to see Philly lose game one and then see how they react to that. That'd be interesting. Um, Real quick, let let me get your guys' finals matchup. Who do you guys think? What what two teams? You don't have to give me a winner, but what two teams are in the finals? Real quick, call me Argo. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, (laughs) I'm going with, and I'm going to pick the upset here, I'm going with Philadelphia is going to play the Houston Rockets. Wow. Boom. Taylor, Taylor, yeah. what do you think? So actually, I have Philadelphia going to the Eastern Conference Finals, but I'm going to switch it up and go with the Raptors. I think Toronto is going to be their year to at least make it to the finals against the Golden State Warriors. I'm still not sold on Houston. Okay, very good. John, who do you think's in the finals? Rockets, Raptors. Rockets, Raptors. Okay. Um, I'm going to be that guy. It's 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 going to be Golden State, Cleveland. Cleveland, yeah. It's be Golden I, State, Cleveland again. It's so hard to bet against the greatest player of our generation. I'd stop. It really yes. is. I'd stop watching the NBA and just start watching I, the WNBA. If it, if it's <laughs> Golden State, Cleveland, I will not watch the finals. I will tell you that. Um, all right, let's move on real quick. We had a, a segment at the beginning of the podcast where we gassed each other up, really gave each other props. We can't have a jazz guest on right before the playoffs and not get a few hot takes and a little bit of trash talk. <laughs> what do you guys got? Give me something good. All right, I'll start off. Uh, Ricky Rubio is a little bit, a little bit of a bitch. I'm just gonna, throw, the, <laughs> just gonna throw that out there. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> John, get him back. What do you got? Give us some trash talk against OKC. Quinn Snyder could outcoach Billy Donovan with one hand tied behind his back. There is no way that yeah. anyone can believe Donovan is better than Snyder. Yeah, you're probably right. Very about good, me. very good. Taylor, right Taylor, what do you got? So I was actually going to go with a uh, something similar here, except that I'm going to say 
I mean, I've been very vocal about my displeasures with Billy throughout the season off and on, but I actually think his playoff rotations are going to be better than Quinn Snyder. He's going to outcoach Quinn Snyder this series, and the Thunder are going to win. Okay, very good. Here's, here's, my, here's my trash talk. We talk about Joe Ingles looking like a dad. By the end of this playoff series, Paul George is going to be Joe Ingles' daddy. <laughs> Paul, Paul, jo- Paul George is going to work him. <laughs> what else you got? Throw me some more stuff. Come here. What do you got? Uh, I think that Quinn Snyder looks like a heroin addict. <laughs> he's always really sweaty, yeah. and he's got he's got the bags under his eyes, and his he's just, just his hair slicked back like Wolf of Wall Street. That guy looks. He's got. It looks like he has some issues. But I remember when he was, when he was at Mizzou, and he was a really good coach then. But he he still looks the same. Also looks like a heroin addict. He needs to ditch yeah, the he- jail. He he looks like he stays awake by doing massive lines of coke on yes, the on the yes, team plane. Yes. <laughs> Taylor, anything else? Taking any more shots? Oh, man. I mean, Jay Crowder, he's a pretty ugly dude, right? <laughs> like we're just he's going up for long ass now. hair. I know. <laughs> Look at his hair. I actually kind of like the Jazz as a basketball team. Yeah, not gonna I, lie. I like. It. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do enjoy the Jazz. Yeah. Um, John, give me some more trash talk. Make these Thunder fans hate you. Once <laughs> once the Jazz beat the Thunder, they're going to wish you could just buy out Carmelo rather than keep him around another year after he gets embarrassed in the series. <laughs> we might buddy, agree with you on that, honestly. Buddy, I think we're already at that point. I think we're already at that point. <laughs> awesome. It's a sad well, state. <laughs> well, hey, let, let's wrap this bad boy up. Um, we, we've gone on for a while here. So let's get to the, the end of the podcast and our series predictions for this 4-5 matchup, the Thunder versus the Jazz. Taylor, I'm going to start with you. Tell me who you think wins, how many games it takes, and what the big X factor is. So I'm going to say Thunder in six. I think on paper, I would say Thunder in five, but because I've watched this team enough this season, I'm going Thunder in six. I think X factors for me are the shooting guard position, how healthy Corey's going to be, but also just how all three of our shooting guards depending on if Fur gets minutes, are going to play in general. And then, obviously, Jeremy Grant, like we talked about, last five games, he's shooting 77.3% from the field, which is just absurd. Around five free throw attempts per game at 85.2%. Uh, that's that's going to be really big. And then, finally, Paul George, if he's hitting shots like he was yesterday against Memphis, we're going to be in for a long playoff run. Thunder and six. All right, Kamiar, hit me with your prediction. I'm going to tell you... It's gonna be Utah in six. Ooh, and there's gonna be ooh. a lot of there's gonna be a lot of issues and a lot of questions going into the off season. Um, I am curious to see how Donovan Mitchell reacts to playoff basketball because a lot of the fouls that get called in the regular season don't necessarily happen in the playoffs. I'm really curious to see how he shapes up then. But I mean, if he hasn't hit any sort of rookie wall by now. I don't really foresee many issues, but I am curious to see if he gets those superstar calls as probably rookie of the year going into the playoffs because they don't call that ticky-tack bullcrap in the playoffs, and when they do, it's bullshit. So, But I am saying Utah in six. Interesting. All right, I will go. I think this series will come down to a game seven in Oklahoma City, and I think the Thunder will win the series in seven I think the the X factor, kind of like what we talked about, is Adams being able to hit the offensive glass and out muscle Rudy Gobert. 
I also think that that Carmelo can, can he stay on the court? And if he can't, what can Jeremy Grant produce? And can he continue his play uh, as of late, especially after the All-Star break? So I'm going Thunder in seven with my X Factor really being uh, the OKC Bigs. John, what do you got, buddy? I think it'll be Utah in six. I think the biggest X Factor in every series is health. Will the players be able to stay healthy? Uh, Jazz, I should mention, are a really good road team, so it doesn't concern me that much that they are the five seed and not the four. They've won 15 of their last 17 home games. I think the real X factor is going to be how involved in the offense is Paul George going to be? Are they going to let him be almost the co-equal leading scorer with Russ, or is it going to be one of those cases where they go long stretches where they forget he's an offensive option too? Very good, very good. Well, this we have uh, two saying Jazz in six, and then two saying Thunder in six and seven. I think regardless of what happens, it's going to be a great series against two really good franchises uh, that have bounced back from recent heartbreak and free agency. And this is the first time the Thunder and Utah will meet in the playoffs, and so that will be really a, a breath of fresh air. You know, it, it's something different for, for both fan bases. So I'm really excited about that. Hey, thank you guys for tuning in to our playoff preview podcast for round one. The game one will be Sunday at 530 Central Time. So make sure you tune into that. Also, make sure you go follow John for his jazz perspective on this series. And just in general, uh, again, you can find him on Twitter at germsguy, J-E-R-M-S, germsguy. And you can find their podcast at Jedi and Germs. They will be active during the playoffs. So when you get done listening to us for your Thunder perspective during the playoffs, you can go listen to them to get the Jazz perspective and really counteract one another. Um, We appreciate you guys tuning in. John, we really appreciate you coming on with us. Thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. Thank you. That was really cool. Yep, and um, we look forward to seeing your Utah Jazz come to Oklahoma City on Sunday, and uh, best of luck to you guys for the rest of the season. All right. All right. So, yep, not a problem. All right, everybody, we will talk to you later. Thunder up. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.